Hello, and welcome to the Cyber Huddle Podcast. We are back. We took a break to rebrand and to take the podcast in a different direction. To be clear, our previous episodes were awesome and we had great guests, but I think we need to start with the basics. The hope here is to assist our listeners in the decision to make the leap into cybersecurity and to have our more experienced refresh on the topics and provide input. And the best way to do that is to start at the elementary level and have the discussions. We have to start with the basics if we're ever going to attempt to fill the over 600,000 vacancies in cybersecurity. I have also brought on a co-host who I will introduce in the next episode. So to get things started, I'm going to talk a little bit about me. I'm a native of Central Florida. I got my first computer in 1995, which was the family computer. And then in 1998, I got my own computer. And with that computer, you know, I did, I played lots of video games on there. Um, I also uh, took it apart, uh, put it back together again, just to kind of see how that thing worked. Um, And computers really sparked my interest. So in 2003, when I graduated high school, I decided to enlist in the Army. Um, And I enlisted as a 74 Bravo, which is now a 25 Bravo uh, and information systems analyst, uh, which is the military occupation specialty uh, number. And so I went to uh, basic training, and then I went to uh, advanced individual training at Fort Gordon. And after I completed my training, I got sent to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and was assigned to the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. I bring this up because, honestly, that was the organization that really changed who I was as a person. When I joined the military, I was an introvert. You know, low self-esteem. I was, uh, you know, the typical stereotypical what people think computer people are um, and that organization really like brought me out of my shell really gave me um, a lot of exposure to a lot of different things um, and as when I tell people I was a part of the 160th SOAR you know one of the things that they're always like oh wow you can you must have got to do like really cool missions and stuff like that and I supported the people who did those missions um, I want to make that very clear the people that I worked with to me in my eyes were heroes and it's kind of funny because you look back at those um those people and you were you, you, I really looked I, I still to this day look up to them and to me they'll always play an important role in my life because they were all the ones that helped me get to where I was today so while I was there I got exposed to a lot of things um, got ex- so as an IT person you think you join the army and you only do IT well that's not exactly the case so with that organization um, you are not a 25 Bravo you are a communicator and so I got exposure to radios, got exposure to satellite systems, got exposed to, um, you know, networking, system administration, intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance systems, um, how aircraft, you know, how, how to, how to uh, load ComSec or um, communication security into an aircraft, how to, you name it, you had to do all kinds of things. Um, you were kind of like a, a, a knower of all, master of none. Uh, but... I spent almost 10 years in that organization, and then I went off to Korea to do uh, for a year, and I was a part of a sustainment automation support management office. And basically what that office did was they were responsible for all the um, support systems. So basically, you know, you have a logistical system. Uh, the logistical system sends up reports to higher headquarters. That way they know how much to order of a certain item or whatnot. And so I was a part of this uh, SASMO office and we supported uh, the area which which we were in which was in uh, in the lower part of Korea um, and then while I was in Korea they were like hey you know you're really good let's um, let's move you so I got moved to be the communications chief 
for the Sasema Battalion that was there. And so the main mission there was to do help desk stuff, but one of our main focuses was also to conduct um, non-combatant evacuation operations, which is basically moving people out of theater if, if something were to happen. And so that was like one of our, it was like our core mission uh, as, a, as a communications chief. And I was responsible for all the communication systems that, that supported that effort. After I spent, finished my year in Korea, I come back to the 160th. I was there for about two to three more years, and then I transitioned over to cyber. So the way I transitioned over to cyber, um, didn't know anything about it, but there was a uh, army initiative to start a cyber network defense program. And so I was like, hey, I'll apply, see what happens. So I applied for the program, got accepted into the program. I was uh, they as part of the pilot program, so as part of the second iteration of that pilot program. Um, and so that course was very difficult. And when I say it's difficult, um, you know, there's there's certifications, and then there's uh, I say there's certifications, and there's SAN certifications. So cert SAN certifications are very hard, um, and as they should be because they are very um, sought after certifications. So in that course, you basically took a, one SANS certification every two weeks. So you did a week of training, a week of study, and you would test out that Friday. Um, don't recommend it. Uh, however, that was just the, the cards I was dealt. We took the course. I passed the course and was given the title Cyber Network Defender. Um, and then I went back to Fort Campbell, transitioned out of Fort Campbell, and then came to help uh, stand up the... U.S. Army Cyber Protection Brigade, and at the time it was called the Cyber Mission Unit. So with the Cyber Protection Brigade, you know, it was kind of uh, all these people showed up so fast, no one really knew what to do. Uh, we had some leaders that were providing us guidance, but we didn't have the resources, the infrastructure to do it. Um, we eventually got the resources uh, to do it. Um, people were assigned to teams, uh, and we uh, kind of went forth and did our stuff to make sure we were trained to conduct cyber operations in support of the nation. So I was, I was assigned to a cyber protection team, which was aligned against a combatant command. So to kind of give you an understanding of combatant commands, uh, combatant commands are responsible for certain regions. So um, CENTCOM is responsible for, like, the Middle East. You know, um, AFRICOM is responsible for Africa. Uh, UCOM is responsible for the Europe area. So um, assigned to a combatant command. Uh, and, and in there, we were supporting their initiatives, but we were also supporting um, our coalition partners as well. So... There was a lot of uh, crosstalk between our coalition partners and, you know, authorities. The, the thing about cyber back in that day, cyber defense back in that day, was kind of like who had the authority to do what. And so we, I know my team wrote kind of like the book on who was responsible for what if something were to happen. Um, so after I finished my time, I spent about two years on the team. I got moved um, downstairs to the uh, NERD, which was the Network Engineer Research Development Section. And there I was the assistant program manager for the defense, the defensive cyber operations deployable system, for short, DDS. Um, so this system basically allowed our teams to like deploy and to do their mission sets uh, forward. So we not only helped uh, come up with the system, but we also uh, conducted the training for those systems to help our teams understand how they operate. So... The first iteration of the, the DDS was actually already implemented. We actually came back and did a, uh, the team did a industry and innovation challenge. We condensed everything down, got down to two vendors. They came up with a, a system. This is what we want. Um, because the issue we're running into was the Army and, and the world was still under the global war on terrorism model, 
which is basically you pick up, you deploy everything, and you go. Well, cyber doesn't really operate that way, especially when you're flying, uh, in some cases, commercial air. And a lot of that equipment doesn't – most airlines won't take the equipment. So we had to downsize the equipment, and now we have the the DDSMs, which are the smaller versions um, that allow our teams to conduct missions, you know, wherever they need to go. So that program kind of went on for a while. We were actually managing that program until it officially became a program, program of record, and now someone else manages it, um, which is kind of a good thing because we basically were were building this capability out of hide um, and using resources from teams to build this uh, build this capability, which is proven to be uh, be imperative in conducting our cyber missions. So after I finished with the nerd, I then moved into the operations piece of the of the organization. Um, and that was kind of where I kind of felt like my career was over because I was, it was staff work. You know, that's, that's not really my, I like to be doing things on, on the team level. And so the one thing I would say about the operation side of the house is it really gave me the opportunity to see the big picture. I got to see what the teams were going to do before they got the info to do it. I got to see how we integrated with our co- with our um, combatant commands and how we integrated with our local commands um, and our higher headquarters. You know, so I got a lot of exposure to like the big picture of cyber and and, and how we maneuver. Um, so after I finished my time in the S three uh, in the operations section, I then moved into uh, the training side of the house. So I've been in the training side of the house for about five years now. Um, so I moved over to the cyber training battalion and there I originally signed, I originally was going there to be an instructor. Um, however, I got promoted and I was made a first sergeant. So I had our, uh, initial or advanced individual training company first. And then I moved into our, our officer company. And so there I got a lot of exposure to, you know, the brand new cyber soldiers that were coming into the force. And I thought that was really cool just because I got to kind of, see all walks of life come through, get trained. I got a chance to teach while I was there just because I wanted them to know that, you know, you could still be a leader um, and understand and, and know the know what's going on within cyberspace. So I did that for two years, and then I moved into the senior instructor position, which also became the, uh, the technical college position, uh, technical college NCIC position. So I was in charge of all the initial military training and the functional courses that we offer at the cyber school. Um, so that was the cyber operations course, the, uh, electronic warfare course, um, basic officer leadership course, you know, all these different courses that we offered. And so I stayed there for about a year and then I moved into the senior enlisted advisor position for the cyber training education directorate under the cyber school. And so that was kind of like, uh, I would say the pinnacle of my career, just because I, as far as training goes, I feel like everything starts with training. Um, and if we create the bad culture or provide a bad experience in training, it tends to carry through people through their careers and they always remember those things. They never remember the good, they always remember the bad. Um, so I was responsible for all training. Uh, as I was advising our training director of all the training that we were doing at the cyber school and providing input and recommendations. And so I, I had a great time with that just because uh, while I was also in that role in the senior instructor role, we were kind of um, moving uh, schools. So originally when the Army had cyber cyber uh, training, it was uh, split training. So one was in one location, was another location. We then moved everything into one location. So now it's one station training, as the Army would call it. And uh, we got to develop 
the new course that was going to be that one phase of training. So uh, that was it was a really good time for a rewarding time. Got exposed to a lot of different things. And then now I'm getting ready for retirement. So uh, I've actually started my own company at this point, uh, Centaur Security Group. Uh, you can actually see what we're doing at uh, centaursg.com. But we are basically providing cybersecurity uh, consulting um, and solutions for medium and small businesses. If you've watched, the, if you've looked at the news lately, there's a um, a lot of your threat actors are starting to target like small businesses, uh, municipalities, and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of becoming a a, a, a hot topic because I want to say that's probably like the lowest hanging fruit, honestly. Because you know your your bricklaying company or construction company, you know, doesn't they. If you were to talk to them, most of them would say, I don't have a, I don't have an issue, but you know, it's well, our, our goal at Centaur security group is to improve cyber hygiene. So that's kind of where, where I'm taking that organization. So what can you expect from the podcast? So from the podcast, you can expect a few things. So like I said, I'll have a co-host. Um, she will be brand new to cyber. She's actually in school right now, getting her cyber degree. And we're going to kind of follow her and have topic discussions about the things that she's learning. And then we'll, we'll talk about some other things. You can expect two episodes a month. Um, so that has not changed from our previous model. And we're going to have, we're going to have guests on here. We're going to have lots of discussions about different things, but I think, like I said before, we, we really need to hone in on the foundations before we can start talking the really advanced stuff. Like, you know, I know I went right into Log4j and, and some other stuff, and it's one of those, if you don't know how the system works and how libraries work, you'll, you're will you not going to understand Log4j. So I'm kind of like dialing it back down a little bit just so that we can kind of get everyone on the same sheet of music, um, spin people's minds and thinking, and kind of like uh, walk the dog, if you will, um, to the more advanced stuff. Because again, you've got to start somewhere because cyber can become, getting into cybersecurity can become very overwhelming. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to turn people off from trying to achieve what they want to do. So the other things you can expect is, you know, we're actually going to have, you know, topics. So we're going to talk about getting into cybersecurity, um, cybersecurity jobs, certifications, cybersecurity uh, foundations, and so on. So you can kind of expect pretty much a sequence of, of events as far as our, uh, our episodes go. So, and with that, I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll see you next time.